Three, two, one. I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. I silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. Welcome to episode 10. Ooh, happy 10. Hey. Episode anniversary free. Happy anniversary. Even we've 10 episodes in on the Silence the Shame podcast. We've made it far. That's a big deal. We are talking about mental health, and it's a blessing that people want to listen. So thank you guys for tuning in to the Silence of Shame podcast. Uh, you're listening to your girl, Shanti Doss, and our lovely co-host, Free the Vision. Hey. How you been? I've been doing all right. I've been doing all right. It's been a little challenging week, but we're getting through it. It's a lot going on in the world, right? It is a whole lot going on in the world. Yeah, we, we're going to get into some good stuff today. And, you know, September is Suicide Awareness Month, and... Um, also a tough month for me because it's so ironic that with it being Suicide Awareness Month, my dad actually committed suicide in September. Mm. Yeah, September 26th. That. So that's always eh, a tough month for me. But we are persevering and we are getting through it and uh, out here fighting the good fight to true, spread awareness. True. I'm so excited about our esteemed uh, guest today. Our first guest, um, I had the pleasure of working with back in May when we did our first uh, Silence to Shame event. Um, at Young Middle School, and we had a really wonderful panel. Um, so you guys, please, please, please welcome to the show child psychiatrist, Dr. Sarah Vinson. Hey, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How are you? Great. Happy to be talking about this topic. Yes, mm -hmm. right? We're so excited. And our next guest, uh, we'd like to welcome to the show, Bianca Danielle. Thank you. Thanks How are you? Me. I'm fabulous. We also had the wonderful opportunity um, to work with Bianca, and she attended our first symposium back in May and shared her story. So I think our listeners are, are in for some great information on your end. So thank you so much. Thanks for and having me. And I just want to say that I'm excited to see people of color, like, advocating behind this. Mm -hmm. You know, like, all of the doctors and the people that we've had that's come in that's been of color, like, that's a huge deal. I mean. And obviously the show, we support everyone. Right. Every Absolutely. background, every Absolutely. ethnicity. But I think the reason Free is saying that is particularly in the African-American culture, you know the stigma is so strong it's so deep and people just don't want to talk about it yeah. but i mean i'm really and we'll get more into this a little bit later in the show but i've been seeing a lot of folks on social media even from a celebrity standpoint that are opening up and, and being honest and, and vulnerable and sharing and i think it's just a wonderful thing but as i mentioned earlier september is suicide uh, prevention month suicide awareness month on a national level and you know we thought a good topic for today's show would be staying alive the rate of teen suicide you know how can we keep our kids alive and thriving you know with so much that's going on in the world right now um it's just a lot why don't you guys just tell us a little bit about your background and what you do dr sarah we'll go with you okay so i'm sarah vincent i'm a child psychiatrist based in atlanta georgia i'm also currently the president of our georgia uh, child psychiatry group called the georgia council on child and adolescent psychiatry okay. i work at morehouse school of medicine and i see kids um, who are incarcerated and also see them in outpatient settings uh, in a private practice in atlanta but also in a more impoverished area so kids from a lot of different backgrounds. What's the age range of the kids that you see? The youngest I've seen is three, mm -hmm. um, and child psych technically ages out around 18, but as we know, people don't always develop fully the same yes. at the same time. Absolutely. And so um, as a child psychiatrist, I'm also trained as adult, so I see the, the full range. Okay. So uh, one of the questions, when you said that they don't completely like mature out at the same time, so when are you treating based on the mental state are you treating still just based on the age? So like if someone's 18, but they're a little bit regressive psychologically, 
are you treating based on their, you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's one of the big differences between adult mental health and child mental health is that child mental health, there's much more emphasis on developmental stage and mm-hmm. where people are because you understand an eight-year-old who's depressed is going to look really different than a 12-year-old who's, who's depressed who's going to look really different than a 17-year-old. Mm. So we get more kind of training and exposure around those things. And it's something we always think about, even with our adult patients, because we're, we're used to doing that. Okay. And uh, Bianca, tell us a little bit about your practice and what you do and a little bit on your personal journey. Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, I am actually a certified life coach now. Um, Congratulations. She, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a journey. <laughs> <laughs> trying to finish, trying to maintain my own mental state. Um, mm-hmm. I'm getting my second master's in October. Wow, that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, it's actually in life coaching for suicide and trauma, so I can focus more on suicide patients and starting my PhD in January. So I'm excited for the journey. So it's excited to see another doctor in here so I can talk to her about <laughs> what's getting ready to come. But um, I started my life coaching practice because my first master's was in marriage and family therapy, and it just wasn't something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad said, well, life isn't over, so you just try again. So sure. I went back and pursued what I really wanted to do. Started my nonprofit, the Crying Voice Project, last year. Um, actually, won the Rice Awards last year. Nice. Thank you. After being like awesome. on the map for like a couple of months, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "What?" Like people are actually paying attention Absolutely. to me. Um, so it was really a blessing. And um, started that, and then I started my speaking journey in 2011. Started in schools in Houston, and then I moved to Atlanta shortly after. And I was like, "What am I going to do now?" And then. Um, Met some great people who got me connected in the Fulton County School. So we talk about suicide. We talk about passion pushing. We talk about how to heal through the arts and also how to just believe in you. So um, it's been a great journey and so glad to be here. So glad to be a part of this organization because, you know, to see, like you said, a person of color. And Mm -hmm. though we're all, you know, every color, no mental health has no color. Um, Mm -hmm. But just to see Mm -hmm. African-Americans speaking up, especially me being a preacher's kid has been a journey Mm -hmm. um, talking about my story. So look forward to getting into that later. Well, our committee member, Cameron, um, as well as Tanya, they they love you and they love the work that you do. And we love you and just appreciate you you and really look forward to more partnerships with the Crying Voice Project and Silence of Shame. Absolutely. I'm so ready. Let's do it. (laughs) it. All right. So let's get into our questions today. Uh, Our first question is uh, teen suicide Size have reported have been reported to be on the rise, and and I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of articles just in recent uh, weeks on CNN and yeah. New York Times and so forth. Um, especially just talking about you know the rise and and how it's changed significantly over the years. What do you think some methods for parents are to recognize potential signs and to talk to their children early about this subject? And Dr. Sarah, we'll start with you first. Sure. So. One of the things that I end up talking to parents about all the time, whether I'm in Ponce Highlands or on the West Side, is how much your child needs you, Mm -hmm. how much time with you is valuable. Um, A lot of times they will tie themselves into knots trying to get them things or making sure they have the latest Jordans or whatever um, and working overtime and taking that child that time away from your kid. Mm -hmm. That's that's not ultimately what's going to pay off. And so it's really hard to know if there's a change or if there's a new depression starting, if you don't have a good baseline. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to have a good baseline if you don't spend that quality time with your child right. in the first place. And so yeah, that is no one, starting two, and three. Yeah, you don't even point. know where to start or where to look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and one of the questions that I had was, you said that depression looks very different, let's say yes. an eight-year-old versus a 12-year-old versus a six. What are some of the differences like that you might see in those age ranges? 
Well, as you get older, your ability to use words to express yourself is going to increase. Okay. Right. The different activities you may be involved in is going to change uh, what you have access to changes. Right. So mm-hmm. most of my kids at DJJ are self-medicating with drugs really? starting in their teens. Okay. Whereas if you're eight, you probably don't have access to marijuana and Xanax okay. and all of these mm-hmm. things. Okay. And so it really does depend and, and understanding that it's not going to look the same in a kid as it does in an adult. A lot of teenagers, a lot of children Rather than them seeming sad or depressed, they may seem angry and irritable. Mm. And so it can be dismissed as they're being difficult or oppositional. or anger um, management. Right. Anger management or they just need a good butt whooping or they just need to get put in their place or he's smelling himself. You know, all that stuff that people in our community (laughs) say. That's what's so hard. Sometimes you really can't put your finger on it. Right. So what do you recommend? Like. So definitely trying to catch your child being good is something I talk to parents about a lot. Mm -hmm. So the tendency is that we want our kids to be the best they can be. And so we focus on where we feel like they need to do better. Mm -hmm. Right. But that can lead to your interactions being predicated on things that are negative and Mm -hmm. things that you think need correction rather than you recognizing the things that they're getting right Mm -hmm. and praising them for those things and Mm -hmm. putting as much energy and vigor into your recognition of those things as you do about mm-hmm. the things that um, you wish that they were doing differently. I was reading an article, um, and I, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, Free Styles P, yes. uh, the rapper. Yes. He and his wife just came out and did an interview on The Breakfast Club, and a lot of other digital outlets picked it up. But two years ago, his daughter committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And I want to say she was... She, was tw- she actually was 20, but I think freshly. So, yeah. But she... Um, in the interview on the breakfast club that I saw, they spoke about how the mother felt like um, there were things that she dismissed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mother also said that she didn't necessarily know or feel as if she was depressed. Now, was she having relationship problems? I think yes, that's what I read. She was having relationship problems. She was bisexual. And that's what mm-hmm. her mother said. She feels like they dismissed. Yeah. They kind of felt like because it was a woman, maybe it wasn't as serious. She felt like because it was two women, it was just going to be really emotional. It wasn't really... You know, she didn't know have a kind of like a like you said, a baseline of how to deal with homosexuality. So she saw it as like maybe her going through a phase or something that might have been trendy. And she had worked hard to avoid her going into what she felt like would have been a trendy phase now based on society. Mm-hmm. And that she thinks kind of had a backfire into you know, like how she ended up taking her life. And I think they also said, though, you know, outside of that problem, she was relatively happy. Like Mm -hmm. they didn't see any other warning signs. And, you know, one of our other colleagues and committee members of Silence to Shame, her daughter committed suicide as well. And she didn't see like a ton of signs either. You know, she was a happy young lady. They had a great relationship, you know, as related to, you know, parent-child relationship. And so sometimes, you know, there's nothing. There's nothing. Bianca, can you talk to us and share just because of, you know, what you've experienced? Yes, absolutely. Sometimes it is nothing. It's nothing. What do we do? Um, So my cousin killed herself in 2010. Um, Shot herself in the head. She was 20. Mm. Um, My best friend shot herself in the head three years ago. Happiest people you ever meet in your entire life. I talked to her right before she did it. Mm. We were actually headed to go get tattoos. And I'm like, I'm on the way. I'm on the way. She's like, I'm ready. And 15 minutes later, she was gone. And I'm um, so sorry. Thank you. Um, I've finally been able to talk about it. You know, it's seven years. And just the happiest person, the smartest person, the the most amazing, vibrant spirit. And 
I was the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to major depression from, I'd probably say it started about 16. Okay. Can I ask what sure. st- what triggered that yeah. for you? Um, I was a preacher's kid, one. Um, you know, just trying to be this person that everybody trying wants to be perfect, the preacher's kid almost. to be. Mm-hmm. And um, I was very hard on myself in school because, honestly, um, I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And we went through a lot of stuff with our family that, you know, everybody saw that, you know, my dad did well for himself. And so... Mm-hmm our cousins treated us bad or mm. our aunts and them would treat mm. us bad. And so I wanted something to give my parents that they could be proud of, mm-hmm. you know, because I knew they did so much to try and protect us from our own families from hurting us. Sure. And I was like, no, I don't want my parents. Like I want them to be proud of me. So I put a lot of pressure on that. So I was an athlete. Um, I was a, I was gone all the time and it just, I guess I never started to recognize it until I started to make myself throw up first Mm -hmm. and wanted this certain body image but not realizing that this is just the body that I was supposed to have like I wanted to do this and nobody knew it like my so you didn't like how you weren't happy with yourself no mm -mm. everything that everybody saw of Bianca was not what I saw when I looked in the mirror even just from emotions Mm -hmm. like even to this day they're like you have so much energy but now it's a genuine energy of Mm -hmm. peace Mm -hmm. but before um you know I came out about my suicide in 2016 I actually came out on Facebook about it, and my mom found out that way. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, and I actually didn't realize my depression until I tried to pick up the phone and call my cousin um, seven months after she passed away. Mm. She didn't answer, Mm. and I was like, this is real. I warranted my depression of stress Mm -hmm. from just graduating from college, not sure where I was going to go next. I had a great job, but I hated it, you know, and Mm. so I was like, this is not okay. Like, when I got in the shower, I can take my hair out in bundles and I'm like this is not stress this is something else you know this is something else and I tried to start a nonprofit in 2014 in Sydney's honor Sydney Nicole is her name and Mm -hmm. um it didn't work nothing nothing worked and I was like god like why because you probably weren't dealing with what your your own yeah and so 2016 came and he's like okay and I tried to and he's like I can't let you do this god was like I can't I can't because you're not being honest you're not being honest with yourself. You're mm-hmm. not being honest with people. And you need to free yourself. Mm-hmm. In 2016, I freed myself. And everything's been what it is. I'm not going <laughs> to say it's been great. I'm not going to say it's been bad. But it's been an amazing journey. Wow. Thank you for sharing You're that. Welcome. I really appreciate You're that. Welcome. Wow. That's <laughs> heavy stuff. It's a lot. <laughs> it is. It is. But, you know, but that's really common. Yeah. And mm-hmm. high achieving people mm-hmm. right, that right. people don't realize they're struggling, especially in um, communities of color because some sometimes our bar is you don't get arrested you don't get pregnant you go to school you make good grades mm-hmm. so that means everything's fine right and as it, long as you don't do those things as long yeah. as you don't do those yeah. things yeah. we're good we're right. 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 Um, right. and it can be even harder for those kids to admit when they're having a hard time mm-hmm. because they feel so much pressure mm-hmm. to keep up that image and now you have social media superimposed on that exactly where you have people with this projected image that may be very different than how they actually right. feel and you know one of the things is that um we talk a lot about like the struggle and i think that that's not necessarily defined any specific kind of way yeah. mm-hmm. so we think that um high achieving comes with a level of struggle, struggle. Yeah. and so we're supposed to endure whatever the struggle looks yeah. like mm-hmm. yeah. instead of knowing that certain things don't aren't necessarily a struggle to deal with mm-hmm. like you should actually or they're a struggle to deal with but they're not a struggle that you should just cope through silently or not you know address they may be something deeper absolutely yeah. and that endurance may need to come with acknowledgement. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
It, it has to, right? It has to. Um, <laughs> let's go a little bit deeper into talking about the stresses like for teenagers in school. I don't know if you guys read the article, but I was really excited. The British Prime Minister, Theresa May, said to be working on mental health training to teach children how to deal with exam stress and, and, and other things. How do you feel about schools creating curriculum-based programs around mental health practices? And is it really necessary now to do it more so than ever? Oh, yeah. It's now or never. Um, at this point, because working in the schools, I've seen a lot of kids who feel alone. And I mm-hmm. was one of those kids in college. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the first generation college student. My dad and mom only have a high school diploma. Okay. And I watch my dad every day go to work and like make really amazing money. But it's like, mm-hmm. is this really life? You yeah. know? And so when I went to college, I had the worst anxiety during tests. Really? And I'm very intelligent. And I would go and I would take weeks and weeks to study and I would fail. And I'd psych myself out when I get in class and I'm like, you know this, like, you know Mm -hmm. this. And I'm sitting there like, I don't know any of this. And then when I spoke out about it, I told um, a therapist, a counselor there, and I was like, I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And it took me down. You know, I'm like, I don't know. And I and I feel like a failure because I'm making F's and I know that I'm smart, you know. Mm -hmm. And she's like, "Okay, we're going to try this. So she would take me out of the environment of a lot of people. Okay. And she's like, try not to study. But that day, she said, if you fail this test. I'm going to talk to your professor to correct and make you take it again. Mm-hmm. But I want you to try and study just that day, even if it's a few hours. And I want you to go in a room by yourself. Straight A's. Wow. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. And it was just the anxiety of because you come from church all the time. You have all these people in your ear. That's all I imagine was always having track meets, having people yelling your name and saying. And it was just that anxiety of being in a place under high stress. I was failing at that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think now just talking to kids right now that they long for this, but mm-hmm. don't know how to ask for it. So they're like, they don't want to tell you something's wrong with them because they don't want to be looked at as that kid. Yeah, no one wants to be like I never want to be that kid. I don't know about anybody else. But they want it, but they don't know how to ask for it and what that even looks like. Because Mm -hmm. when you get home, you're hearing nothing's wrong with you. Right. Or you just want attention. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you Mm -hmm. better get this right. And and so, yeah, I think that that's admirable. And it's it's so needed. Um, So. And I know Teresa May, they're looking to train at least 100,000 kids that's that's quite a bit um dr vincent what's your take on that and or do you know of any programs that are happening um now or have you been a part of anything um that's going on in the schools sure so i think it's a great idea um school is the place where you can really get the kids that are falling through the cracks otherwise Mm -hmm. it's the one place where they have to go um and it's really why schools have ended up picking up a lot of the slack that is there around mental health care because mm-hmm. um, the system is broken mm-hmm. and sometimes it's very hard to access, but they have to be at school and you can get them at school. Right. Um, and they have health class. So mental health class makes perfect yeah, sense to me. That's very true. Um, and the brain is an organ just like any other organ and mm-hmm. things can go awry just like any other organ. So it shouldn't be treated differently. And so at the very least, it should be folded into health instruction. Um, but I think it would be great to have it. And they need indicators from the adults around them that this stuff is okay to talk about right and so they look to teachers um not only to teach them subject material but to help them become citizens and learn how the world works yeah and so if they hear teachers talking about this and this is in health class next to everything else that helps decrease the stigma around mental health and that's a great time of their life to do it i wonder if there are any programs that already exist uh, particularly in, we're here obviously in Atlanta, Georgia, if there's anything in Georgia that exists with like M- NAMI where they, I know NAMI does the CIT training where they train a lot of the police officers, but I wonder if they train any of the teachers. Yeah. So they actually um, have recently rolled out a youth program oh, okay. um, that 
I helped develop the curriculum for it. Oh, fantastic. Um, and so it's, it. it's early. Yeah, it's early in the process. And they've had a few classes and they've been really well received. Um, but it talks about things like depression, anxiety, developmental disorders, suicide. And so training. how does it work? Do they come out and do the training or do they train the teachers to actually? So they train the, the teachers. Got it. Um, and so it's a training that was developed for people who have interaction with kids. So it could be police officers, mm-hmm. uh, teachers, people in clergy. That Is that a part of the CIT program? It kind of it's yeah it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah. separate now. Got it. Okay. Um, but it it did What's go. What's the name of NAMI. that program? Um, I think I think it's Georgia Youth in Crisis. They've recently changed oh, the name, okay, but I think that's what they changed it to. But okay. it is rolling out. Well, that's fantastic that you are part of the process of creating the curriculum. Yeah, Kudos great. to you. I also want to mention to your point about the school system. Um, my nonprofit is actually getting ready to start its curriculum based upon healing through the arts. Because okay. a lot of kids are very, very, very artistic. And mm-hmm. they're, no, you're going to go to school. You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be this. You're going to be a teacher. And it's like there's so many other amazing mm-hmm. careers. And there's so many other things that you can use mm-hmm. your brain for. And I realized that um, we do a lot of things with art, music, cooking, cleaning, how to do these things and use. Because there's this kid in this class and he's always banging on his desk with the pencils. And they're like, stop. So I'm like, no, let him do it. I understand mm-hmm. it's a di- disruption, but let him let him do it because he's either fighting something in his head or he just wants to be a drummer, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it's like we want to be able to introduce the arts, you know, STEM changed to STEAM now. Mm-hmm. They're adding in that artistic component because mm-hmm. you're having kids who are dealing with IT, science, mm-hmm. you know, those type of things. And I'm like, what happened to the art component? Mm-hmm. Because art really allows you to think beyond the surface. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's why everybody's like, why do you cook and why do you? Why do you plate things like you do? I'm like, I'm, I'm working on something in my brain right now. You know, I love to cook. That's my therapy. Okay. Like, if I'm not going to see my therapist, I'm at home either cooking or putting on a full-fledged concert because <laughs> <laughs> it helps my brain to get off of what I see yeah. right now, you know? And, and I want to be able to um, start a healing through the arts program where we're bringing in art teachers and math and all these things that focus on the not-so-normal and allow these kids to work on projects that makes them use their brain and gets it off of whatever situation they have at that time. So would your programs be after school programs or something that you would offer on weekends? Would how would both. they, how would you incorporate them into I would the school day? Do both. Um, I would actually like to have them rolled into the school system, but I wouldn't want to, I want all the kids to have access. Like I don't want to mm-hmm. say, are they suicidal? They come, mm-hmm. you know, like that, because I don't want them to be, I want to sure. just be able to, bring in real arts mm-hmm. and into the school system. Um, and I think also because I've had so much free time on the weekends as a child that it should have some type of weekend because that's when the kids are at home mm-hmm. in this situation of being able to talk yourself on a ledge mm-hmm. because that's when I've struggled the most is that you know my suicide attempts happened at home. Mm-hmm. When I was by myself, I didn't see the light. I was struggling. Yeah. And so, you know, probably the weekend right now would be best for, for me. And I don't know if um, anybody remembers. Do you remember when VH1 was doing a campaign? And I was a, I was young back then. Uh, save the music. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. because everybody was, the, the schools were taking music literally out I, of school. I, I was actually working in the industry. Oh, right. <laughs> a little bit older than you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I knew that, like, I knew you'd be able to back me up. <laughs> but, like, people were, like, they were taking that out of school and they're taking arts out of school and they're kind of getting into, and one thing that I find when I talk to teachers, their biggest frustration is that they can't properly teach anymore Uh because things are based on actual like tests that are going to come and so the standardized tests they have to learn a certain kind of way Mm -hmm. and so 
you're not really able to judge the intelligence of the child because the child is kind of like having to learn in a very structured way mm -hmm. instead of allowing them to kind of arrive to their own mm -hmm. conclusions and learn their own things. And, and so I think that that also plays into the, for example, I have a friend who um, we had to take the graduation test in order to graduate. And so a lot of the kids that I went to school with didn't get um, their certificate for graduating because they didn't pass the test. Mm -hmm. So after school, they would have to take the test like four or five times. Mm -hmm. And they still weren't getting it. So my friend now talks about how he felt kind of like um, behind the ball and that he wasn't smart. And it played into him feeling like he couldn't really achieve in life because everybody else had really graduated. And though he walked with us, he didn't graduate, mm -hmm. you know, because he couldn't pass the test. So he thought that he was illiterate and all these other different things. So it kind of dampened his spirits on. So did he get achieving. depressed? Yes. Yeah. And he didn't want to talk to anybody about it. He didn't want anybody else to know because that affects applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. All your friends are going off to college, but you can't really apply yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, because you don't have your graduation certificate. So everybody's starting to wonder and ask you like, well, where are you going? What are you doing next? And and he's feeling like he has to lie about it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it well, plays a lot. Yeah, that's tough. It's real stuff there. So I have a question. Did anybody see the series uh, 13 Reasons Why yes. on Netflix? Several times. Dr. Benson, did you see it? I didn't see it. I read about it. Very okay. Thing for me to I actually, uh, <laughs> well, we know your time is limited. <laughs> and I follow you on Twitter, by the way. You always post some really interesting articles. Um, so, yeah, the show was... Uh, was deep uh, I watched all 13 episodes and I must admit the episode where the young lady committed suicide was too heavy. it was, oh, it was I, I think much. it was way too much it was too much, quite heavy. honestly too much for TV. very too much so and I remember and, and it just it, you know it, it to me it sensationalized suicide yeah and it yeah. didn't give enough information on who what when and why yeah yeah um, as opposed to just the kind of the basic storyline kind of can you share with us um how that type of show um can do more harm than help because i'm sure you've heard even in the professional community because sure. a lot of people obviously there was a lot of backlash mm -hmm. um in the media around the show and you know no disrespect to netflix but i think they could have done a better job of i don't know whether they yeah they that and out. even just doing some local events finding out ways to localize it to do some discussions in, in various markets and so forth or even putting up some extra content you know doing a, a round table discussion with some professionals and and some of the folks um um, just to kind of make it more real, right? Mm -hmm. To take it out of the entertainment element. Talk to us about how dangerous a show like that could be if you aren't taking the necessary, you know, precautions to really, you know, teach people about it. And especially young people who are really vulnerable at that age. Yeah. So we know um, that suicide contagion is a real thing mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. adolescents are more susceptible to it. Mm -hmm. Um and we know this to the degree that it's actually influenced the way that newspapers cover suicide Yeah, uh, mm. because there's been interactions between them and the mental health community. Hey, when you do it this way, you're going to increase the risk that mm -hmm. people are going to follow. Right. And so romanticizing it, sensationalizing sure. it, giving details of it are all things that we know in regular print media mm -hmm. can increase the risk that people are going to copy. Much less than seeing it on right. camera. Right. So <laughs> if you put it on camera yeah. right. and you have these and you're following them through... Um, of course, you know, that's something that the child psychiatry group was really concerned about. Mm -hmm. Did a whole Twitter chat, chat around uh -huh. um, because we knew that we had to say something about this sure. because it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I saw that the CDC, I believe, actually has a 
a booklet or a workbook that they explain for media on how to actually address dealing with suicide and dealing with mental health on those things, how to like format your headlines and different things like that. Yes. And that comes directly out of the research that shows um, the things that are helpful. But, you know, so I watched the behind the scenes of um, 13 Reasons Why. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I I definitely didn't agree um, because I remember watching it and feeling like that was extremely uncomfortable to see. And, and you know, Selena Gomez, is it's her show. Yes, She's executive. Yes. I love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they spoke about how they did it because they wanted it to be uncomfortable. Right. Because they didn't want it to feel like their their mindset or perspective was they didn't want you to feel like it was anything beautiful about doing this. So because it had that gory aspect, mm-hmm. then it kind of like um, should make people feel turned off from experiencing that being able to see the parents emotion and you know etc etc but i think also at that age sometimes and and maybe i'm speaking ignorantly about this but children are looking for ideas mm-hmm. you know because if yeah. they're kind of like battling with that they don't know how they would do it but they're yeah. considering it mm-hmm. and that's kind of like a dangerous fence to be on if they're looking for ways that the girl like made a whole tape. She went through a whole process of doing it and it almost immortalized her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it you know? really did. And then it's almost like how much is too much, right? Right. right. Bianca, can you kinda, share I think your that's thoughts on that? Suicide itself, you know, when you hear about somebody who commits suicide, you go from one extreme to the next, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, oh, here she was, she was a great person, now she's gone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You miss all the middle, oh, well, she did this, this led up to this, her parents weren't this, and you know, mm-hmm. so, that's how everybody likes to stay on the surface. And so it's like, that's where you get this, oh, she's crazy aspect. Because they don't dig deeper into what was it that really led to Well, the to show it. dug deeper, but yeah. but what do you think? I mean, so they're essentially they did what you're saying, but mm-hmm. what could have been done differently? Or what can they do differently with season two coming up? I hope I was hoping they weren't going to have one, to be honest. Yeah. Because, I mean, even from somebody who is a suicide survivor, because I do a lot of not talking about my suicide attempts. I, yeah. I do. I try and stay away from it as much as possible, not because I'm ashamed, but because I teach people about there is an overcoming in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hoping that um, they were not going to do a season two. And I'm still hoping that it doesn't. I, well, um, I'm I don't pretty think sure. I'm, ready. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if they I mean, do, <laughs> I mean, what what do you think, Doctor Vincent? Yeah. Well, if you could onus, give them any sort of recommendation, sure. I mean, I. But honestly, I think the onus is more on families and communities mm-hmm. because as mm-hmm. long as Netflix is making money off of it, they're yeah, going that's to show true. it. Um, and and, and I, I know it's not up to Netflix to raise children. I get that. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I do think but, it was irresponsible the way it was handled. Mm-hmm. But I think that parents should one be aware it's out there, and two, if your child is watching it or they're interested in it you should watch it too and help put it in context for them and use it as a jumping off point for dialogue with your kid Mm -hmm. don't let them just watch it and try to make sense of it themselves one of the things i wanted to ask was about like so when children are teenagers like i remember you know your parents become uncool to you right you don't want to really discuss (laughs) things with your parents because when you feel like they don't understand until you get older and then your parents become your friend again yep you know but in that stage where they're uncool to you um, how do parents avoid seeming invasive? Because that, you know what I mean? Like that kind of makes a child draw back more versus wanting to open up more. Like how do you feel that a parent should be at every place in their child's life? Like I need to know always who you're talking to, always what you're doing, you know, no closing doors in my house. Mm-mm. No, you know what I mean? No. Like how do they address that? that? Uh, I think you can hover, but not be a hoverer. Mm-hmm. So you should know like, 
you know, because you have to be able to, if we're talking about identifying signs of mental health, you have to know when your child changes, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you're not there, then it's like, well, how did I know? You know, like, and you have to act ignorant to the situation. I, my, I was one come from a household of my parents knew who I was talking to, who I was going on dates with, who was coming to my house. Like they knew and mm-hmm. it wasn't because I wanted them to. And even now I'll be 31 in a couple of days and my mom is still call me when you get home. Mm-hmm. Let me know when you're in the door. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah. mom, I, I, I live 1200 miles away from you. So you know, it, anything it, happened. Like, so essentially almost being a helicopter parent is okay. Yeah. I think, I, I, think. I just think the well, kids have access to so much. Yeah. Right. And so, and a lot of, and it's going to, the answer to your question is going to be really dependent on age and maturity level. Mm-hmm. Right. So, when I'm talking to these parents and they've given their eight year old a smartphone, like you would have never back yeah. in the day oh, yeah, given no. them, yeah. you know, access no. to the entire world 24 yeah. seven. But that's what you're doing when you put this computer in their hand that's, right? that's connected to the web. Yeah. Right. And so if you're going to give them that phone, there need to be parameters around it. They need to turn yeah. it in at 10 p.m. It mm-hmm. needs to not, you know. Um, and so really being thoughtful about what they have access to through it. Um, and that it's okay for you to monitor and they need you to monitor. And until mm-hmm. they show you they don't need you to, right. you keep doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are some kids who um, have shown that they are making poor decisions when it comes to people they're interacting with Very or true. things that they're posting, right? So that kid, you need to have their password and their yeah. username and you yeah. need to follow Agreed. them. And, right? and so it's it doesn't have to be this all or none thing, but mm-hmm. once they show you they're having trouble or if they're young, you got to do more. Yeah. So that, that kind of takes me to the next question is, you know, right now the state of the world seems to be at heightened chaos for obvious reasons, whether you talk about, you know, what's going on in the government, a lot of natural disasters. It's just a lot going on everywhere. Um, how can we create a healthy balance and lifestyle between allowing our children to be informed without them being overwhelmed? You know, what is a good age to, you know, give them access to having a smartphone, you know, or allowing them, you know, to to watch 13 Reasons Why, you know, on Netflix? I mean, I, I know my aunts and them have given their kids cell phones at an early age because of what's going on in the world, you know, and she has several restrictions on that. Um, I think it's just based upon your parenting style. I think that, you know, we can't generalize everybody together. Um, we're all an individual person our kids are individuals and so I would say just kind of do an assessment on your kid Mm -hmm. and and find out what you think that they can handle um we do a a thing called a feeling cd um part of my nonprofit. and so what we do is we take six weeks to go through over 180 songs that express how we feel Mm. and it allows them to pick songs when I'm sad when I'm mad this is a song that I I want my mom to hear and in the in the journal for the kid it says when I'm sad you hear this song I need 10 minutes I just need to process when you hear this song. I'm frustrated. Come in right away. And it allows them to the parent to know I don't want to hover. I want to give them their space or that I need to come in. They need me at this point. And the kids love it, you know, because it's not that, you know, music, like I said, it's an art form. Like it, it really expresses a lot of things. And the parents love it because it gives them a different dialogue with their kid. Like, hey, you pick this song. Why? You know, and and what is it that you want me to do? And the parent and child sit down and come up with different methods on how they can communicate. And I think, you know, the state of the world right now, even being my age, I'm afraid. You know, I I, I don't know. You never know what's going to happen. And and I try and communicate that with my mom being that I'm the only one here in Atlanta. I'm by myself, Mm -hmm. you know, and I want them to know what's going on. And I've talked to them about um, 13 Reasons. Like, Mom, like, I wish you were here with me when I was watching it. Mm -hmm. Because even now, my parents have never sat me down and said, why'd you do it? 
what happened. Really? How would you try? Mm-hmm. Not you, yet. Do you feel that that has anything to do with the religious background? Um, do you I think wish, they're and, and second question, <laughs> do you wish they you would. had? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it's kind of uncomfortable, you know, when I know that she's listening to my videos all the time and mm-hmm. I'm still talking about it. Um, when I went up to talk about, uh, my give my acceptance speech at the Rice Awards, that was the first time they've ever heard it come out of my mouth and they were looking at me. Mm-hmm. And I just, my heart was just, I didn't know. I was like, yeah. I want to tell my story, but... You know, and yeah, I wish that they would because it seems like a a heaviness is still on me to mm-hmm. want. I want them to want to know. Yeah. But then I don't want them to want to know because I think that at that point they're going to continue to hover and make sure that I'm, you know. And see, obviously I'm older than you, but, um, you know, two years ago I had, you know, serious suicidal ideation and my mom has Alzheimer's. So, you know, kind of everything goes over her head. Mm-hmm. But with my sister, um, I'm glad that she talked me through mm-hmm. it and I was able to talk to her about it because mm-hmm. it was like pressure, you know, mm-hmm, taking yeah. off me to be able to finally talk about it. Now my brother and I, that was a harder conversation to have when I finally told my brother and he just didn't understand. Mm-hmm. He didn't even know where to start. Yep. He was like, Is he you? older or younger? He's older. Okay. Um, And you know, like I said, our dad committed suicide when we were younger and we never dealt with it as a family. We never went to counseling, but you know, my brother was like, what do you mean you wanted to kill yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it was so recent mm-hmm. and he just couldn't really fathom, you know. So that was a harder conversation for me to have. But I'm glad we finally had it. And once I kind of talked him down from being judgmental mm-hmm. um, and and just really tried to get him to understand what I was going through, he finally was like, well, you know, I love you. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm always here because mm-hmm. um, I was always inclined to talk to my sister because we also have a family member that's bipolar that my sister has been dealing with for a long time. So she's a little bit more compassionate. Mm-hmm. Um, but having your family to be able to talk to, I mean, yeah. I just say this to parents like, you know, don't be afraid of the word suicide. You know, it, it, yes, it's it's not nothing that you want to glorify, but it's a topic that's real and it's something that you must be okay with talking about. So, you know, there are a lot of really great programs like NAMI has these family training classes and different things you can do. And, you know, Mental Health America does some wonderful programming. I would just urge parents to like find, you know, different programs um and routines that you can go and participate in locally and we're going to hopefully be able to offer like a database of 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 um you know resources and so forth on our website um dr sarah are there any programs that you can um, point to right off or even if it's online any kind of tutorials or things that parents can go and read so that they can educate themselves because we do like we were saying or live in such a crazy world Mm -hmm. you know what can they do to kind of prepare themselves um, to be able to have these hard conversations with their kids and even with you know their spouses like Mm -hmm. you say it's crazy for everybody right Mm now um and I, and I think, you know, the stress uh, even of what's going on with the economy mm-hmm. and thinking that you may not even have, you know, your retirement or your 401k, you know. Let alone a job. Yeah, okay. and you may be working <laughs> till you're like yeah. 75, 80 yeah. years old. That's stressful it for, is. you know, the older generation. Absolutely. So how do we cope? Well, I would say number one is that parents have to take care of themselves, mm-hmm. um, which sounds kind of cliche. But a lot of times, um, you know, I speak with moms who are like, I can't go to therapy because I have to take him to therapy or, mm-hmm. you know, those sorts of things. But um, as their primary caretaker, you are the most important thing in their life, period. Mm-hmm. Their cues about their worth as a human being, mm-hmm. how they interpret the world, all of that is getting filtered through you. So if mm-hmm. you're not in a good place, it's going to be hard for mm-hmm. you uh, to be that rock for your child. Right. Um, and, 
you're right. The world is a crazy place right now. And so that makes the security and the safety and the predictability of home all the more important, Mm -hmm. which if you're not in a good place, you're not going to be able to provide. And so, um, you know, sometimes the biggest intervention we can do is getting mom some help. And I'll tell you a lot of times or dad or dad, um, there may be aunts or people from church or coaches who would take a more active role if you'd said, I need help. Uh, But people sometimes need to just be sat down and help them think through who those resources are mm-hmm. and encouraging them to use them. But there's this expectation that you're supposed to have it all figured out and sometimes raise your kids on your own. And yeah. for centuries, women had aunts, grandmas, all these people mm-hmm. around. But now we have people who, like you said, you're the only person in this city. Yeah. This is totally different that parents are up against now trying to raise them in isolation. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Get help. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the help looks like getting the kid on a soccer team so that they oh, have another supportive, positive mm-hmm. adult around mm-hmm. them. And that gives you a little bit of a break after school. Right. Um, and so sometimes, you know, we focus on the worst end result possible, which is suicide. But there are all these things that we can do upstream right in terms of helping the kid have a healthy more fulfilled balanced life and which hopefully won't lead to the depression and yeah right obviously that the ideation around suicide do you feel like i mean i think one of the things that especially for communities of color that we're kind of losing or african-american communities specifically that has taken a hit is community Mm -hmm. so like because we're kind of losing that or have lost that community aspect do you think that plays a larger role in children facing things that are depressive or you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, listening to my parents grow up, they talk about how they would go to grandma's house two right. streets over, right? right, right? right or the right. other grandma's house right. one street right. over. Right. And that's just not my experience growing up. Right. It's not the experience of a lot of kids growing up these days. Um, but what would naturally happen, right, is that roles would shift and that kids would get what they needed where they could get it. Right. Um, yeah. And there are right. less people yeah. around to do that. Now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that it plays a, a big factor, too, you know, because even me growing up, I went to my grandma's house, but it wasn't like the most pleasant experience. So yeah, then I, I kind of found, <laughs> found other ways to be happy. And so, you know, I just, you know, and I tell people all the time, I'm like, and, and I ask kids, I'm like, so where do you go when you're having a moment or you, you don't feel like you can talk to mom or dad? And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, on the street. You know, Uncle mm-hmm. Buck or, or Cousin Johnny, you know, and, and they just as rough as, you know, <laughs> yeah, so you yeah, got yeah. rough. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that, you know, just to touch base on what you said, that the sense of community and like we our parents need support, too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I realized that I laid something heavy on mine. Yeah. And, you know, and I know that they can't go to their mother and father, you know, even though their moms are still alive, they would never go and tell them my child was suffering. And my my cousin's um, mom, Sydney's mother, she. To be honest, she still talks like Sydney is still here. Mm. I can't talk to her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sydney can be sitting. Sydney sitting next door to us. And I'm like, no, she's not. You know, she came to my house and there's a picture of Sydney there and she said something. And I was like, but she's not here. Mm. And this is seven years later. And so I clearly she, should, she never received. She's not. Yeah. And to come, I was like, I kept asking her years and years because I felt like I needed to know why. Like I wanted, I had that long and I'm like, I can never imagine her doing that. Mm-hmm. And I said, there had to be a note. There had to be something. And for years, she said no. And then last year, she finally broke out and told um, my sister that there was a note. They read it and they Mm. burned it. They burned it. They burned it. And it took me out. Because I was like, I was like, so what did it say? You know, and they went into deep. And I said, okay, I can, you know. But but lo and behold, she had planned this whole thing out. She told them when, what, and what she was going to do. 
And, you know, for her, now it's a denial. She's back in that denial stage again. And mm-hmm. I told her, I said, the best thing for your healing right now is to go and help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Then that's what that's I do. That's what, and yeah. same here. Yeah, you yeah. overcome it so yeah, that absolutely. you can help. There's a reason why, you, absolutely. why you're here because you overcome things so you can teach people how to overcome. Mm-hmm. Like you overcame your situation, both of us, because we have to now teach people how to overcome it because mm-hmm. we are now, everybody's looking at us like, well, how'd you do it? Well, I still struggle. Okay, mm-hmm. don't don't think I have right. it all together. But right. I can teach you what I know and what has helped me. Do you know if she, they found the note before, after? Like, was it? It was uh, after. Okay. Yeah, it was after, and she told him how, what, when, and and how it was gonna mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, right now they're at a point to where it's kind of like, well, you know, her birthday is coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we all have a tough time because you mm-hmm. still are like, well, why? You know, even though you have the answer. You still wonder. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, my dad didn't leave a note. Um, so as growing up, like especially when I was like in you know middle school, elementary school and middle school, uh, I didn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just people would ask how my dad died, and I was like, oh, he just died, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. he got, sh- you know, he got shot, not mm-hmm. that he shot himself, because I was embarrassed, you know, and I always felt like, you know because my dad committed suicide that it would be something that I would do Mm -hmm. um and so I kind of like just didn't let my mom talk about Mm -hmm. it and I buried a lot of those feelings for a long time and just focused on being really successful like I was just very focused and very driven which was a good thing but the only thing I regret is I wish you know having experienced a parent that died um, by suicide as a teenager I really should have sought counseling and help mm-hmm. um, because a lot of those feelings just came back up when I got mm-hmm. older and it was really tough. But just looking at kids nowadays, um, which will kind of lead me into the next topic with social media. You know, we've seen people take their own lives, mm-hmm. you know, teenagers on, you know, using social media yeah. um, or allegedly taking their own lives because I don't know who did for sure or not. But I've seen a lot of stories, you know, uh, using social media and certain platforms and how dangerous is it um, with social media now and, and going back to a show like, you know, 13 Reasons Why and people kind of glorifying it or sensationalizing suicide? You know, what do we tell kids now in terms of being, I don't know, smart about how they utilize social media and how they consume mm-hmm. all that information that they see? We'll, we'll go to Dr. Sarah first and then to you, because I know you have a project around bullying in the mm-hmm. schools, because, as you know, bullying can lead to depression and to Definitely. suicide. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what we've seen in a, a lot of, you know, the storylines of, of a lot of folks that have committed suicide at such a young age. Yeah. Well, social media, you know, it's certainly here to stay and is a part of life now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And kids these days are fluent in it, right? They've never mm-hmm. known an era when this wasn't the case. right? Um, and so we can't get rid of it. Mm-hmm. That said, we do know that there is a correlation between high social media use and increased depressive and anxiety symptoms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That people feel worse when they use when they it use more. It. Yes. And kids are not immune to that. Mm-hmm. And so, again, this is where those conversations about you know, a lot of people on here do not live the life they actually present. Right. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. These are the days they're winning. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Right. As opposed yeah. to, talk to you about all, all that life that happens in between. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Um, and so being real with your kids about when you have a hard day. Right. And when mm-hmm. you're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. So you're modeling that this is a thing that is OK to discuss and to own. Mm-hmm. And we cope with it. We don't act as if it's not there. 
Mm-hmm. Right, because it's going to affect you one way or another. Um, what about when, have you, um, through any of your counseling services, talked to teenagers that actually use social media for positive reasons like to share when they were sad and to kind of be open about it? Well, what can happen uh, well, when they you use it? Recommend? Well, what can happen, though, is that you're giving it to this broad audience yep. and some people are going to be comment. supportive yep. and some people are not going and they're to gonna be mean yeah. people and yep. they're going to be mean or they're or they're maybe well-intentioned yeah and say stuff like man up which is mm-hmm. totally invalidating right. mm-hmm. and not helpful but they're mm-hmm. trying to they're help trying you to help them. And, right? yeah. yeah you're right because we've seen people that make comments like go kill yourself now even yeah. when it's yes. not about you being yeah. sad yes. right. something yeah. random right yeah, people can be really cruel and on so social you, media yeah and kids are learning boundaries right who is safe Who's good for these purposes versus others? And so they have to be more selective about those hard times because mm-hmm. they are going to be more vulnerable. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of things. Um, they had a one guy he posted something about his mom on Mother's Day. And he was so, I think he had internalized was it he young? so much. He was 17. Mm-hmm. And his mom has been in and out of jail. And, and he she wanted to come move in with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had taken on the main responsibility a, a long time ago. And he said, I just want to get this out. And he posted a long story. And he was like, all you people who are advocating for my mom, you don't know what I went through. Mm. And he held it in for so long that he wanted to put it out on Facebook. And it wasn't that he was wanting attention. He wanted people to see, you know, this is some lady that's portraying me out to be a bad person. And I felt so bad because of the comments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't need to do this. And I'm like, you know what? Sometimes that's all people know. Mm -hmm. And I always tell my kids, even, you know, give your pain a voice. Whatever that looks like, whatever, you know, if you need to scream it out or you need to write it out, I'll tell them to journal. Don't put it on social media. I try and tell them, to mm-hmm. please don't don't go on there because I know people and I know everybody doesn't mean well mm-hmm. and people bully behind a computer. Mm-hmm. And I've seen one of the kids in Stone Mountain High School two years ago killed herself. Sixth grade. Really? Behind being bullied. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. And it was so sad because the school and it made me so angry because she was being bullied by a girl. She told somebody and one day she just snapped. You know, she she's like, I couldn't take it anymore. And so they suspended her for two weeks and gave the bully her two days. And over the two weeks, this, this young lady was there killed an altercation. Herself. They just kept picking with her. Oh, okay. The girl kept picking with her over and over, and she said they they snatched. I think they said that they snatched her earphones off. The girl did mm-hmm. snatched her earphones off, and the girl kind of turned around and swung at her. Mm-hmm. And because she swung at her, she got two oh, weeks. Oh wow! And I was like, what? You know, is where's the documentation that says that this girl has come to you over and over again and said, I'm tired of this girl bothering me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember in school, they told me, you know, if anything happens, because I was bullied, you know, and, and I didn't tell my mom. My mom worked at the school, but I had a time where my own cousin came and chased me down the breezeway. And, you know, I was oh bullied my. like that. Like she didn't have my back or, you know, and I, I held it in from I just ran track and I cheered all the time. And I was just like, I never would tell my mom. But one day I just got fed up and I went to tell the principal. I was like, listen. Something might happen today because I'm I'm aggravated. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. what else to do. And mm-hmm. I, I know, I'm tired of telling y'all and y'all aren't doing anything. Yeah. So now with the anti-bullying initiative, I can't stop bullying. And I know I'm not a savior. But if I could teach kids who are being bullied to use their voice, rather it's to stand up and say, listen, this is what's going on. Like, they're not telling people because they don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion is for parents is don't and stop accepting the I'm fine, I'm okay day. Talk to your kids. Sit them down and say no. Start asking questions. You know, I want people to ask me about my day. And and what kind of advice, like, for example, when you say, you know, you, I'm going back to what you said earlier about seeing the documentation. Mm-hmm. What if um, 
the educators aren't really taking proper notes or writing it down, like what can the kids do? Nothing. That's and that's the sad part about it is that they can't. Like I tell my kids, my my dad has always taught me write everything down. Mm-hmm. Right, put the date on it. Even put what so you wore the kids that day. can journal and yes. take their own notes. Yes, journal it because yeah. when things were going awry at my job, I had dates and times. I'm like, yeah. nope, this happened, this mm-hmm. happened, this happened. So Same. I tell them, yeah. use paper, mm-hmm. get you a journal, and write this down. And one day, even if something happens, we pray to God that it doesn't. But at least your parents have that documentation. Mm-hmm. That because if anything happens to my kids when they're in school, oh, you will know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I have to tell the kids like you cannot be silent. And I know it doesn't feel comfortable. But right. even if your mom doesn't understand, I tell journal it, write it down, get it off your chest so that you don't have that to carry the next day. Dr. Sierra, your thoughts on that? Yeah. And parents and guardians can be helpful, too. You know, they can advocate for kids. They can send emails. And so if there isn't a disciplinary record creating that paper trail, if they're emailing the administrator mm. over and over mm. again, that can that be helpful. Trail, yeah. um, that yeah. provides a paper trail. OK. And you know, getting over this, that's just part of growing up in yep. life. And these yep. kids are soft yep. these days, yeah. nonsense, because that can be something that makes it even harder for them, right? Mm-hmm. Because then they feel isolated and understanding. You know, when we were in school, at 3 p.m., you were done with those people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, with social media, they have access to mm-hmm. your kids oh all the yeah. time. Yeah. So they do not get a That's break. True. It is a very different dynamic mm-hmm. now. Um, and that a lot of times, especially with girls, the bullying is not physical. It is things through social media. Right. Um, and d- manipulations through relationships, which is not as apparent or obvious always. Relationships between the 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 girls or you mean like the girls or, are trying to make them out to be a certain type of girl gotcha. by using social or who media they're seeing. or who they're seeing or right. telling their secrets to other people right. putting them right. on black so i mean that's the way it's more likely to look yeah now right among girls um so there's an organization that i had a call with and i'm really impressed by them are you familiar with go guardian so goguardian.com I'm gonna try to pull it up right here basically it's a Chromebook management software for schools and I talked to one of the the folks that actually um, works for GoGuardian and you know a lot of school systems now have access to these Chromebooks so they which is um, Google's uh, laptop Mm -hmm. so they send these Chromebooks home now and it helps students um, stay safer online and makes tech management simple for them so the educators have access to what the kids are viewing online and so one thing that they're starting is an initiative called smart alerts Mm -hmm. and there's a lot to be done in terms of policy and getting approvals and liability and so forth but there are certain school systems that's using it um the smart alert system but what i found interesting was there was one young lady that they were able to intercept and check what she was googling online when she was at home about she googled mm. how much bleach to take to kill herself mm. and by the grace of god they were able to intercept and they saw that what she was googling because i guess they had people monitoring through the smart alert system or i guess smart alert is more like artificial intelligence mm-hmm. so it picked up anything that um uses the words like suicide or finding out things that are negative or around mental health that the team may be googling so long story short they got the information to the parent when the parent went to the girl because she was at home she was in the laundry room wow. looking for the bleach and they were able to intercept and save her from killing herself wow. so i say all that to say you know do your research on go guardian you know we are going to be hopefully partnering we meaning silence to shame with them 
um, in the next few months. And we're really excited at the work that they're doing um, around mental health. Obviously, this started with them just being able to kind of monitor um, just regular activity and helping out with the schools, but being able to take it a step further from a mental health standpoint, I think is really great. And it's just so many wonderful programs and folks that are out there trying to keep our teens safe um, and and educate them around uh, suicide. Um, Dr. Sarah, do you have any final words or things that you're working on that are exciting um, as it relates to awareness and education or anything that you can point, you know, parents or teens to where they can, you know, any videos online or things that you can maybe get back to us at a later time. And we'd be more than happy to share it with our audience that might be able to help from an awareness standpoint. Yeah, so suicide. we'll definitely have uh, something this month on our website, ourselvesblack.com. Oh, wait, it's ourselves. Black. Ourselves Black. Okay. And it is a culturally tailored psychoeducational website. Um, that has content from mental health professionals, uh, people who have used mental health services in the past. And we have a great managing editor, uh, Chandra White Cummings, who keeps content up there um, on a regular basis. And so I'll be doing an entry around um, adolescent suicide this month. Oh, awesome. Now, now obviously, um, is this something that we can repurpose and share because we want to be able to get this information out to every culture and all of our listeners from all backgrounds? Very much so. Mm What uh, anything you're working on, Bianca, with your programs that you want to share with us for your anti-bullying campaigns, or just with September being Suicide Awareness Month? You know, what would you like for our listeners to take away this month? So yeah, um, it's so crazy because September is my birthday month. Love sharing nice. it with this awareness because it's a big deal. Yes. Um, just one thing that I want to always um, remind people of is that suicide has no face. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when parents feel like they're prying, it's okay to pry, you know, because we want to know. We want our kids to be safe. We want our kids to come out alive. Um, On my Instagram, crying.voice.project, I share a lot of content on suicide awareness, where to go, um, activities that you can do with your kids. Um, I do a lot of videos, so you can follow that. And um, not in September, but coming up, we're doing a burning ceremony, um, which allows. um, What is that? So it's really going to be my, my, my MO and my motivational word is always from I took my scars and made them into my stars. So we're wanting to get um, we're working on doing a bonfire mm-hmm. where you bring an item that you may have used to try and kill yourself or oh, wow. um, that's holding you back your mental health. And um, we're mm-hmm. going to burn it. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get lighted lanterns. And I want you to write yourself a promise mm. note that you'll never try it nice. again. We're send it off into the atmosphere and have a motivational speaking moment and I kind like of just that. have a gathering. So that's coming up Let in November. So we can support yeah, that. And I that's definitely great. We'll be putting it out soon. So, um, you know, stay alive at the end of the day, um, mm-hmm. whatever it takes. Um, your mental health is just as important as any other health issue that you may have. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, um, Again, because September is so tough for me, it, it takes yeah. me back to, you know, to being young with my dad and my own thoughts of not wanting to be here. Um, one of the best things that you can do is just talk to somebody. Um, I know it's tough sometimes when you're like between 13 and 19. And those are the years that you, you're thinking that you don't really need your parents anymore. Yeah. And I got this. Right. Yeah. Lord knows I was there and I was yep. quick to slam my door when I got home and <laughs> wanted my own privacy. But, you know, privacy can be suffocating, especially yep. when you're hurting. 
Um, you do not have to share on social media because I know there are a lot of mean girls and mean boys out there. Mm-hmm. For some people, it helps, but you have to have enough self-esteem to be able to stand behind what you put out mm-hmm. there and not let those comments bother you. So, like I said, find a friend, a family member, mm-hmm. like if you have an auntie. I know a lot of times, you know, it may be tough to talk to your parents, but a lot of people have that cool aunt or uncle mm-hmm. or cousin that they look up to that's older you know, that they feel like they can share whatever with, you know, more than anything, just be willing to talk to somebody. You know, therapy is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't Very mean true. you're crazy. It doesn't mean you have a label on. It's not like, you know, Gucci Prada, Adidas or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a brand, right? It's not a label. It just, you know, mental health is just as important as your physical health. And we have to start looking at it as one and not separating the two. And, and what we, we try to teach and preach through Silence of Shame is that we find strength in being vulnerable. Yes. Um, and it's not a sign of weakness at all, contrary to what you might hear when you're in middle school or high school. If somebody sees you cry, that means you're weak. No, if, if, if you have a moment and you don't want to cry in front of everybody else, go into the bathroom or, you know, be excused from the table or take time to crying is OK. Right. The crying voice. Project, <laughs> right? You know, crying can be therapeutic, not saying you have to live in that moment, but right. get it out. Get it out. And, and find so many wonderful organizations like NAMI, like the Crying Voice Project. Um, my good friend Tanya has my life as a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here at Silence of Shame or OurSalesBlack.com, um, Mental Health America. You know, it's just so many people that are out there being open and honest mm-hmm. about sharing. We just posted this weekend a clip that was on title. Shout out to my friend Jay-Z, even though I don't talk to him as much. We used to be good buddies when I lived in New York. And Jay-Z was talking about how we have to start taking care of ourselves and oh, our yeah. mental health. You know, and he mentioned some of my peers in the industry, in the music industry, um, the late, great Shakir Stewart and the late, great Chris Lighty, who also took their own lives. They were not teenagers. They were adults, but extremely successful adults. And, and, and it is time that we start being open and honest and sharing and not believing all the hype. That's why I'm so grateful to see a lot of our folks that, you know, are making a lot of money and, you know, right. people are scrolling through their timelines and, you know, they, they look up to these people, but we are all human, y'all. Yeah. Like we all have the same emotions and feelings and, and the same capabilities of, of having thoughts of committing suicide, which yeah. should never be glorified, but it's okay to be identified. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very true. We don't want to glorify it, but you absolutely can identify, identify your it. thoughts of wanting to commit suicide and getting the help that you need. Um, I'm living proof. I'm still here. Right. Two years ago, you know, might not have been a silence of shame. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? That's real talk. Um, I'm not embarrassed. Fuck it. Excuse my language. No, that's true. That's true. I chose true to get help. Though. I chose to stay here. I chose to still, you know, I'm still Shanti Das. I right. didn't lose my swag. Right, 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 you know, right, right, and I don't right. care if somebody thinks I'm weak mm-hmm. or someone doesn't understand it. You know, that's this is proof that's of their journey. Yeah. I think that this is proof of strength. And just to piggyback on that, um, people will never be able to understand what you don't voice. Mm-hmm. So if you don't talk to someone about something, you if you feel like you won't be understood, if you don't ever put it out there, you'll you never, never have the option to see if you'll mm-hmm. be understood. Absolutely. Because you don't know what the person next to you is going through. You don't know if you go speak to your parent, if your parent was thinking something that mm-hmm. you might be saving them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Absolutely. So you never know who the person is that's going to actually help you or mm-hmm. what avenue your help is going to come from. So you got to kind of like put yourself out there to find 
find that answer. And I always say, you know, mental health is what you have. It's not who you are. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. something that you have, and you have to be able to give that a voice Absolutely. because there is somebody else out there. And I, and Shanti, I applaud you, and it's so great to be sitting in the room of an overcomer. Yeah. <laughs> you Same know, here. because yeah. <laughs> because you be like feeling so alone sometimes, and you know, people but think you you're have crazy. so many people that yeah. have yeah. those have thoughts the that thought. you have no and, idea. And, you, right. and you're like, whoa, I really put this out into the world, didn't I? Yeah. And I'm like, just like you're like, fuck it. Like, mm-hmm. it's me. It's, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's who I was. It's still what I'm dealing with, but I'm making it. And a know? lot of people, you know, which again, we're trying to normalize the conversation around mental health and, mm-hmm. and especially suicide. You know, you could be one traumatic experience yep. away, away from, you know, having these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not saying these are thoughts we want to glorify you live in, but the important thing is just to it's seek true. help and truth. to be okay. And <laughs> if you happen to be, um, a survivor of someone that you knew or is in your family that has committed suicide, the worst thing you can do is act like it act never like happened. It never happened. Yeah. Yes. And I can't stop this show without saying that. Yep. I think it is people that are, excuse my language, full of crap mm-hmm. or full of shit, basically, full of shit. <laughs> that have known people in their family, immediate family members or best friends, and they act like it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and don't get me wrong, I, it took me time to get to that point, but I'm trying to share this so that you can be okay with it. The one thing now is like, I celebrate my dad. Absolutely. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm actually proud of my father. My dad was from India, and more than anything, one of my goals and dreams in life is to visit India so I can mm. learn about my father's culture. And I'm not embarrassed about my dad. You know, mm. it was a situation, you know, he was sick, he wasn't in his right mind. My best friend who committed suicide three years ago. You know, I, I still talk to her in my dreams and, and thoughts, and I know that her spirit is still there. I do not think she went to hell because Mm-mm. she did it. I, I think God is a forgiving absolutely. God. Absolutely. Um, she, you know, say that again. <laughs> and understanding God. Absolutely. Yeah. He is. He is. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, I think that all the time because I know that was a big battle for a lot of the people who didn't understand. You know, when you're – I have a psychology degree, so I got I got it at some mm-hmm. point. But my family was like, well, is she going to hell? I'm like, mm you know she's she's not you know god and that's god nothing understood. that that's that's not to give anyone right ammunition right. to say to go, go ahead right. and do right. it right but i right. say all that to say is you know don't ostracize mm-hmm. people from your family or life that you know that did commit suicide you know they unfortunately you know they you know succumb to their sickness but mm-hmm. you have to still love them and still be okay with celebrating them and you turn that that pain into purpose at that absolutely point. And so when you realize that even though they lost the fight, you didn't. Mm-hmm. And his and, and your father and what happened to him made you and who you are and made you now a a big model and pivotal person for somebody to go to and say, I know you've gone through this. Can you help me? Absolutely. And so if you didn't have that experience, Silence of Shame wouldn't be here, mm-hmm. you know, because you you have a more we have a genuine approach because we've been through it yeah you know family member and ourselves the yeah. both of us our story is so and similar best friend and yeah. your cousin so it's like yeah you know and i tell people all the time don't ever tell people that it could be worse don't ever tell them that because you don't know what their worst is correct mm-hmm. if this is their worst now then let's let's do what we have to do to help them to get out of it and then and also the other thing too is sometimes you know because i really thought that i i talked to my best friend the day before it happened mm-hmm. and i i thought that I told her everything that she needed to hear and I really in my heart of hearts didn't think she was mm-hmm. about to commit suicide so it took me a while to release that burden yeah. oh, yeah. in my spirit because I blamed myself for a while 
Um, so again, the best thing you can do is after you've experienced a traumatic situation, God forbid someone you know or in your family commits suicide, go talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Please get immediate help and therapy and do not put it off. Yep. And and hopefully, you know, I know this was a heavy show, <laughs> deep topic, but if, you know, if we can save one life, save one. Yep. then we're doing what we're we supposed job, to do. And yep. I'm just so grateful to you, Dr. Sarah Vinson and Bianca for being, you know, Thank open you. and Thank sharing. You. And we would love to continue to do work with you guys and yeah. create content together um, to help. Um, there's another big organization that focuses on teens that, you know, hopefully fingers crossed, we can do some, some great partnerships. So we'll, we'll let you guys know. Um, in the coming weeks of what we're going to be doing. Um, how can people stay in touch with you guys and, and learn about all the wonderful stuff you're doing? If you want to give out any of your social media handles or website or anything, please share. Sure. So Ourselves Black is our psychoeducational website. And then uh, mine is just www.drsarahvinson.com. Um, and my Twitter handle is at Dr. Sarah Speaks. Thank you. Um, I'm on Facebook at Speak B. Danielle. Um, that's B as in boy. Um, I'm on Instagram under b.daniellespeaks is my speaking platform, which I cover several topics. And then my IG is crying.voice.project. Or you can go to our website, www.cryingvoiceproject.org and send in an inquiry. Or if you're suffering, um, it's a private platform. You can send it. It'll come directly to me. Awesome. Free. Um, no, I'm just excited to see the progress that we're making with this and how many people are getting behind it. And um I wanted to just say this when you were saying about crying. Crying is a natural thing. Mm -hmm. That's also the thing that I think that we don't really acknowledge. Like, it's something that happens naturally, and it is therapeutic in itself. So like you said, you don't have to live in that moment, but it's sometimes mm -hmm. something that's very necessary. And um, I remember older people used to say, like, you might just need a good cry. You, mm -hmm. you know what out. I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you might out, just man. need a good cry. <laughs> and so, like, I think that we're doing very well and just to see the progress of this and like i said people of color because I, I have these conversations all of the time and um after being involved in with silence to shame i'm having so many more people come to me mm. and kind of like oh man you want now they want to talk about it you know they mm. feel empowered so it's a it's a great thing but tell us how you know our listeners i, I still need oh, to know how they can oh. <laughs> so you know, I, I am I free the vision <laughs> I am Free the Vision everywhere. Um, FreeTheVision.com. I am at Free the Vision on all platforms. So you can just find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm Free the Vision everywhere. Okay. And uh, I am Shanti Das, your host of the Silence of Shame podcast. You can reach me um, on social media at Shanti Das 404. Um, those are my personal accounts um, on Twitter and uh, Instagram. But you can follow us uh, at Silence the Shame on Instagram. On Facebook, it's at Silence of Shame now. We're getting our Twitter handles together now. Sorry, y'all. You know, we're still getting our funding. Work so, you know, it, we're coming Work along, but we're putting the information out there. Um, but our website is silenceofshame.com. We will have a lot more happening in the next few weeks. We're going to be doing an event in September in Atlanta, Georgia, with the Department of Behavioral Health. I will be speaking at the Teen Suicide um, Prevention Summit. So, I'm excited about that. And we'll be doing a workshop. Also coming up in October is World Mental Health Day. Mm -hmm. We're going to be doing a promotion called Give 1010, where we ask uh, businesses to donate 10% of their proceeds to Silence to Shame so we can continue speaking and doing a lot of awareness around the country. And then at the end of September, Silence to Shame is going to Bermuda. Nice. to do a silence of shame panel so we're really excited um of the work that we're we've been able to do in a short period of time um this is september it is national suicide prevention month 
um, we have to make sure that we mention um, if you know of anyone um, that is going through a crisis or needs immediate intervention, please call the National Suicide Prevention mm-hmm. Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, that number is one 800 273-8255. Also, if you're not pr- familiar, there is another organization. It's called the Crisis yep. Text Line. And we're also going to be partnering and doing some work with them. It is free 24-7 support for people in crisis. You can text the word HOME, that is H-O-M-E, to 741-741. That is text HOME to 741-741 in the United States. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 10. This is the Silence of Shame podcast. Until next time. If you or anyone you love needs a hand, please shine light on the darkness. Spark the conversation. It's time we silence the shame. Let's talk about it.